Welcome to We Belong Here, Lessons from Unconventional Paths to Tech. I'm your host, Lauren Lee. And who am I? I was your wacky 10th grade English teacher who would occasionally rap a Shakespearean soliloquy, would always encourage a live performance of a book report, and would occasionally dress up in costume as Professor Dumbledore to host an ethics debate, who then, after nearly a decade, decided to take the massive leap of faith to attend a coding boot camp, switch careers, and dive deep into the tech industry. I've been surprised by how many of the skills and lessons I learned as an educator have translated to my role in tech. So that got me thinking, have you taken a non-traditional route to tech? Or are you interested in transitioning yourself? This is a podcast that aims to interview career changers and folks who are diversifying tech. We'll hear stories from people who've taken unique paths and chat about the skills that they've transferred to their roles today. We're hoping to create a space for people to learn from one another, develop confidence, and debunk the antiquated notion that a computer science degree is required to succeed in tech. Come on, everyone, let's dive in. My guest today is an application developer for Detroit Labs with a deep love for the tech community in Detroit. She's taught web development to people of all ages in boot camps, workshops, and online courses. She runs Self Conference and Title of Conf and has traveled all across the US to speak on web accessibility, diversity and inclusion in tech, and how to give feedback fearlessly. She is down for anything as long as there are puppies and are karaoke involved. Her name is Aisha Blake, and I'm so excited to have her as a guest today. Welcome, Aisha. Hey, thank you. Of course. Let's start at the beginning, shall we? Let's do it. Okay. Can you tell me more about the experiences that you had before you entered the tech industry? Yeah, absolutely. My first (laughs) big girl job was (laughs) actually sort of tech adjacent. I was Mm. immediately after my year of service, I came on board with a boot camp, which was not yet quite a coding boot camp called Grand Circus. Uh, and I was coordinating a web development course for high school students. Oh, I see. How neat. Okay. Yeah. And so that grew into becoming an instructor there. Awesome. And so how did you have the knowledge or the coding abilities to be an instructor there? Yeah. So I was self-taught up to that point. I do actually have an information science degree, Yeah. but it wasn't really until my year of service after I'd moved to Detroit that I really started learning the practical skills necessary to actually build and launch a website. I see. I see. So through that, then you acquired those skills and then were able to pass them on to students in that high school timeline. Yeah, it it actually started even further back. I was a teenager when I discovered that you could alter the look and feel of your Neopets pages. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so uh, that is actually how I learned HTML and CSS. Yes, that's great. I love that. That's so fun. Oh my gosh. That feels like a common thread for a lot of us that with that little bit of tinkering that we did where we felt empowered to make changes that felt reflective of what we wanted to see. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's fantastic. Okay. So tell me about your time at Grand Circus and what types of things were you teaching there? Yeah. So it started out with the high school program and I yeah. was helping to flesh out that curriculum. And around that time, we were also starting 
starting to become a boot camp and mm. kind of seeing what that looked like. We, at the time, didn't actually employ any developers aside from myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had never worked full time as a developer. I had the knowledge. I had the theory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is so important and like crucial for it, for sure. Absolutely. And it's it comes back now. Mm-hmm. And having that foundation is absolutely, it's been really helpful. Uh, but at that point, I didn't feel like I was ready to step into a position as a developer. Mm-hmm. I'd gone to school. I'd never done an internship. I'd focused on other things when I was in school. I focused on leadership and community. Mm. I enjoyed living in New York City. I- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I felt called then to become a Jesuit volunteer, ah. which made use of those skills as well, but it was still not to the level that I felt like I was ready to step into a full-time role. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I was learning just as much as I was teaching, in, especially in the first year or so at Grand Circus. What a great opportunity to learn while on the job, though. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> It was a lot when we started teaching JavaScript. I helped with that curriculum as well. I became a teaching assistant and then an instructor. And at that point, I was kind of like, this is where I really need to start thinking about leaving because I'm sending these people off Mm -hmm. to get jobs as developers. And I have never had that. Yeah. Like it's time. Let me experience that and understand what that feels like too. So I can, yeah. And be like a well-rounded educator too. I think that is interesting, like to have that experience day in, day out. Absolutely. That's fun. Yeah. I, I, I recently chatted on here with one of my instructors from the boot camp I attended, and it was really amazing to hear about her perspective of teaching, working in industry, teaching again, and just how the different fluid movements back and forth, how that continuously changed and improved and positively impacted her pedagogy. That's awesome. Yeah. It's so cool. So, okay. So tell me then, let's dive into when you transitioned and said, okay, I want to be a developer. I'm going to go into industry, work in the wild of it, if you will. And <laughs> tell me about what you're doing today as an application developer for Detroit Labs. Yeah, absolutely. So (laughs) I actually just moved up the block. Literally, it's the same building I worked in as an instructor, or the same, rather the same uh, block that I worked on as an instructor. Oh, fantastic. So day to day, uh, you know, I'll come in, we have a two, we work on a two week sprint cadence. uh, Mm -hmm. And so once we've determined what our priorities are for that sprint, we'll just, we'll pull tasks in order. And that's sort of the baseline. So my job as an application developer, I pull cards in order of priority and I get them done. Mm -hmm. And that (laughs) the project that I work on actually gives me the opportunity to work with a bunch of different technologies, which I really love. It's also been a great way to learn while I'm on the job. Mm -hmm. I had the opportunity when I stepped onto this particular team to dive into building our middleware, which I had Mm. zero experience with prior to that. I had started on an internal project, but I really didn't have the grasp of how you would architect something like that. Mm -hmm. The project that I work on is massive and And it's really great to have not only this 
project where you can jump around and learn a bunch of different things, but I am surrounded by team members who are able to share their knowledge and are so generous with that knowledge. That's honestly one of my favorite things about the company. That makes for a good community and culture if people are wanting to share their knowledge and to grow collaboratively. Definitely. Oh, that's so great. So what would you say then kept you from entering the tech industry before you did? That's a good question. I'm going to I'm going to back up a little bit. So Totally. <laughs> so when I arrived in Detroit, it was to be a full-time volunteer at Detroit Cristo Rey High School. Are you okay. familiar with the Cristo Rey model? I'm not. Okay. So basically the Cristo Rey uh, high schools are built in places where there is a high concentration of families with a lower income hmm. and they are Catholic, private, college preparatory education. And the cost to the families is largely offset by companies uh, oh. that the students then go to work at. So that's called their corporate work study program. Oh, wow. Yeah. So the students, uh, at least at the Cristore High School in Detroit, the students would go to these companies five days per month, and their school day is a little longer to sort of compensate for that. Yeah. Catch up that time. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Interesting. Yeah. Fascinating. So if that model is executed well, then a student will go from zero experience and from what I saw, a very limited view of what they could do as a career. Mm-hmm. Mm yeah, yeah, yeah. A picture of what their future could look mm -hmm. like. And they'll have four years of experience potentially in the same industry. Um, so that could mm -hmm. be anything from insurance to a law firm, to a university, to a hospital. Like we had mm -hmm. students that were helping to deliver babies. It was- Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my goodness, that's so cool. And the goal is for all of the students to be accepted to college. Mm -hmm. Okay. So yes, as a yeah, as a preparatory school, sure. That's like the mission of mm -hmm, it. A hundred percent. And in the year that I was there at least, all of the students were accepted. Whether they wow. whether they end up going, whether they have the money to go. Right, right, right. You do what yeah. you can to ensure those things and to make sure that they continue to succeed while they're in college. Because mm -hmm. a lot of them are first-generation college students and yeah, don't necessarily yeah. have the support network outside of school that even knows what to look for or what the different processes are that are mm -hmm. inherent in that experience. Mm -hmm. That's where I was at. I was working okay. in the corporate work study office at Detroit Cristo Rey High School. Oh, okay. And so were you acting like as liaison between the school, the students, and then also the corporations? Correct. Yes. Cool. I was largely in charge of basically keeping track of the students' performance data. So mm -hmm. every day the students would come back and they'd have notes and basically a grade from their supervisor at their work. And so okay. it was my responsibility to take in all of that information and get it out to the people at the school that needed it in a digestible form. Mm -hmm. uh, and Got it. eventually it was able to automate most of that process, which was nice. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. My, um, my experience in that office, though, was really tough. My supervisor at the time was really dismissive of the students mm. and of me. In fact, it was pretty dehumanizing, honestly. It was, mm. and it was that experience that made me so hesitant to do anything else once I had found a job after that where I felt safe. Mm. It took a lot 
it took a lot for me to leave my job at Grand Circus. And I sort of floated around for a while. I had a contract job. I taught part-time for a while. And then I was like full-on freelancing for a minute. I was not very good at it. (laughs) I took a trip to Brazil for a few weeks, most of the month Mm. of May of 2017. And then I came back uh, to start an internship at Detroit Labs. I see. Wow. How would you say, I mean, that time as um, an educator with Grand Circus, do you find that that has actually impacted the way that you operate or in your role today as an application developer? Oh, yes, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Really? Yeah, Yeah. Cool. So Detroit Labs is a mostly flat organization. It is on each of us to look out for each other and to make sure that our individual projects succeed together. I see. It's on all of us to give each other feedback and to learn from and reach out to and also teach each other. Okay. And that experience has definitely affected the way that I pair with people, particularly if they're new to the company or maybe even new to the industry. I'm actually mentoring our our lone intern right now. Mm. And it's definitely helped especially in understanding that there are so many different ways to approach a problem and not all of them are going to work for everyone. Mm-hmm. When you're teaching in a boot camp and someone doesn't understand a concept, it's not that they just can't learn. It's that you have not presented that information in a way that is accessible to them. Right. No, that's a great point. It's not on them. It's on you as the educator to present it in a more dynamic way. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, And that comes into so many of my interactions at work now, whether I'm pairing or mentoring or even just trying to make decisions as a team. Yeah, that's really cool. It's a great way to think about it and to frame your lens that you're looking at the problem solving process even. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. I love that. Okay. So maybe can you share any life lessons that you've learned from your transition from maybe educator to engineer? I think the biggest thing for me has been to embrace trying things. Mm -hmm. My like catchphrase while I was teaching was, let's try it. Sure. Yeah. Let's see. Let's see what happens. <laughs> yeah. Like so many times a student will ask a question and it's what will happen if I do this mm-hmm. thing? Yeah. And I'm like, let's try it. Let's find out. It's so much more valuable for you to try it and to see what happens because that's what you're going to do when you become a developer. You can't always know the, um, the exact result of something before you do it. And you have to be comfortable with that. You have to like try, be ready to try a bunch of things and see Mm -hmm. if they work and try to, you know, hopefully there's some strategy there and you're you're trying to figure that out. But sure. But to to discover in your failures what's happening and how to improve or build. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that's great. I love that. It sounds like you demonstrated that to your students and now are living it yourself. And that's probably neat to kind of practice what you preach, if you will. For sure. Yeah. So can you tell me about a time that you have maybe felt like an outsider and how you've dealt with those feelings? Yeah, that comes less from my time as an instructor Mm. and definitely more as a Black woman in tech. Mm -hmm. We talk about this at Detroit Labs a bunch, but 
it's hard to feel confident in the knowledge that you're being taken seriously Hmm. in a lot of venues. Mm -hmm. And then there are also scenarios where you are absolutely not taken seriously Mm -hmm. or you are offered less opportunity, you're offered less money, uh, you are undervalued. Right. No, absolutely. Yeah, I hear you. And that that's a fight. I <laughs> I I was talking actually about this mere hours ago about a former coworker who apparently actually literally said to another coworker, former coworker, oh, you know, well, what does she know? And this would have been after I'd been around and, you know, doing my job for a year or so. And yeah, seemingly proven what you know. You would think. And it's it's wild to me. Yeah. None of it is surprising, Mm. but it's difficult to understand Mm -hmm. for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Trying to explain it to yourself or make sense of it sounds awful and like frustrating. Yeah. Yeah, for Mm -hmm. sure. So there's sort of that overt, like, oh, she doesn't know what she's doing or... Mm -hmm. Like, I've legitimately been offered two-thirds uh, what a white man was previously offered <laughs> to do the same job. Oh, my gosh. All, like, those things like that that are just, you would think, so obvious. Right, right, right. Obvious, overt, clear. Yeah. No, yeah. Sure. But then there are also things like you have an organization where all of the leadership is white. Mm, and yeah. And even after talking through that. Yeah, uh, that continues to be the case, mm-hmm. and I see I see that a a lot all over the place. And in Detroit, it's it's particularly frustrating because yeah. we are a largely black city. Right, it doesn't match that. Yeah, there's so much potential. There's so much innovation going on. There's so much money being mm-hmm. tossed around, and mm-hmm. it's not getting to a lot of the people that live here. Mm-hmm. For myself, like I'm I'm a transplant. I'm coming from outside and I'm in the tech industry and I am trying to find ways where I can help redistribute some of that. Mm. But there are so many systems in place that keep that from happening naturally. Mm-hmm. And that's it's one of the more frustrating things. No, it sounds like that. So how do you how would you say that you handle those feelings and those frustrations um, day in and day out? I do a lot of things. <laughs> um, one of the one of the ways that I sort of channel that is yeah. community work. Yeah, I started a meetup out of Global Diversity CFP Day oh, called cool. Detroit Speakers in Tech. Awesome, and so that is meant really in the spirit of Global Diversity CFP Day, which is this. Is it? It's exactly what it sounds like. It is a global <laughs> event that, to get folks to submit. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm, that happens uh, annually, and the idea is to get people, particularly who are underrepresented, on stage yeah. at tech conferences, to give them the background training and also the confidence to start submitting to conferences. Yeah, the how to mm-hmm. totally and to put yourself out there and because representation matters. Yeah, for sure. That's really cool. I mean, you do, it seems like you do a ton of community work. Tell me about your conference organizing. Yeah, absolutely. So there is a local conference called Self Conference mm-hmm. and this year was my second year as a co-organizer. Good for you. Thank you. That's so cool. I love it. It was my first conference. It was the Mm. first time I ever spoke at a conference. 
it was awesome. It was a lot of formative for you. Absolutely. And the community is so wonderful. I just, I really genuinely love self-conference. Okay. Oh my gosh. I'm going to try and come to the next one. Yeah. It's wonderful. And it's very, it's very intentionally half tech talks and half, we call them people talks, but soft talks. Yeah. I like the professional talks. Yeah. Like something else. Let's not call it soft. (laughs) Yeah, totally. That's great. And then what about the other one, Title of Conf? Yes. So I can't tell you how excited I am about Title of Conf. (laughs) Your enthusiasm. Yes, I love it. (laughs) Oh my God. Title of Conf is my baby. Oh. So I have a musical theater background. (gasps) It is one of the things that I love the most. I love that about you. (laughs) And I I was joking. I was in Romania for a conference, mm. obviously, joking about how cool it would be to have a conference that was just all musical talks. Stop. Yes. And, no. Uh, no. The woman that I was joking about this with is Anjana Vakil, who you should also totally talk to. Yes, absolutely. And, <laughs> and I and she was preparing for her set at Bang Bang Con. And I say set Mm -hmm. because she did three Disney parodies that were collectively called (laughs) Tail Call Optimization, the musical. Oh my gosh. Oh, that's amazing. (laughs) I I watched it live. I was like on my boyfriend's mother's crappy Wi-Fi. And I was like, we have to watch this. I must stream this right now. I cannot tell you all how important this oh is. Oh my God. And it was just <laughs> incredible. so incredible. It was brilliant. It was so funny and also so informative. Like I learned. Right. I learned while I was listening to her sing yeah. and it was amazing. Oh my goodness. Oh. That's yeah. I love that. And I, I love just, that so much. So that is the, that is the goal. I want a whole conference one day single track that is just that. Heck yeah. Oh my gosh. I love it. I can't wait to come. I'm in. Can we so in? Yes. That's that's freaking rad. That's amazing. I'm so excited. That's brilliant. Our community needs this. I'm so glad you were in it and you're it so empowering. I feel really excited about knowing you. <laughs> Thank you. For sure. Oh, that's really cool. That's really neat that you're doing all of that. I'm very impressed. Oh, thanks. Yeah. So do you have maybe any advice for those that are wanting to transition into tech that you could share? Yeah, absolutely. I think the biggest thing for me is to work on being able to forgive yourself. Mm. Partly, especially when you're learning, it can be really hard, especially as an adult, to just not be good at something. Mm -hmm. And you're not going to be great at it from the very beginning. Most people are not going to be great at it. But if it's something that you enjoy, something that you think is going to enrich your life, then Mm -hmm. it's worth it to kind of work through those feelings and recognize that they're valid, but also keep pushing. Mm -hmm. I think that's really, it's necessary to remind ourselves of that often too, that it's a practice that we have to feel comfortable in that space. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think that's really thoughtful. Thanks for sharing that. Absolutely. Okay. So make your shout out, Aisha. Where would you like or what would you like listeners to go check out? Absolutely. Uh, Well, the easiest way to keep abreast of all of the various things that I'm doing is to just reach out on Twitter. Uh, And I'm just Aisha Blake at Twitter. (laughs) Cool. Yeah. I'll include that link in the show notes for sure. Awesome. Yeah. And I've just started a blog. I'm at Aisha.codes. Aisha Codes. 
and so there'll be get that url i love that <laughs> yeah as someone who used to work at godaddy i'm always like impressed when people get like a really good one <laughs> I saw I saw someone else with it like years ago. This was one of the ones I ho- I held on to for a while. I think it was like Vanessa Codes or something, and yeah. I was like, "Yes, yeah. I want it." Yeah, that feels right good. now. That feels really good. <laughs> yeah, love that. Oh, that's that's amazing. Okay, cool. Well, yeah. So we'll go check that. I'll put links to the conferences too, so folks that are listening to this and want to make it out to those will be encouraged to do so as well. And I can't wait to attend them myself personally. Yay. But thank you so much for chatting with me today. It has been so incredible to learn from you and to hear about all the things that you're doing and how you're making this tech industry just that much better. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. I love this. <laughs> okay. I'll talk to you soon. Okay, bye. And that's a wrap on another episode of We Belong Here, Lessons from Unconventional Paths to Tech. Be sure to rate and subscribe anywhere you can find podcasts and check us out next week for another story and lessons learned from an unconventional path to tech.